everyone. Welcome to the Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast. My name is Jackie Pilosoff and I'm your host. I'm the creator and editor-in-chief of Divorced Girl Smiling, the company that offers people facing divorce, trusted, vetted divorce professionals, articles, a podcast, a mobile app, and more. One of the scariest parts about getting divorced is wondering if you can stay in your home and if you don't think you can, where am I gonna live? So I often tell people who are in this dilemma that one of the first phone calls that I believe a person should make if they're getting divorced and wondering about their living situation is to a mortgage lender. And let me tell you why, because everybody thinks a divorce attorney should be your first call. If you are wondering about financial planning or trying to figure out what your financial future is going to look like, a mortgage lender can answer so many of those questions. And today I want to talk about getting a mortgage after divorce, because if you decide to stay in your house and you want to buy out your spouse, you need a new mortgage. And I want to talk about tips for getting a mortgage after divorce. And to do that, I have a great guest. Her name is Jennifer Brown. Jennifer is a mortgage lender, a certified divorce lending professional, and a division vice president for Neighborhood Mortgage. Hi, Jennifer. Hey, Jackie. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. I'm so looking forward to our conversation. Before we get started on the tips for getting a mortgage after divorce, tell me about your divorce clients. So you've been a certified divorce lending professional for how many years? Wow, I I think I got my certification back in 2017, actually. I didn't really start um, calling on divorce professionals, if you will, until around 2019. So it's really my 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 divorce mortgage network has really taken off probably over the past three years. So. Okay. But I want to let the listeners know that you have been a mortgage lender for like 27 years, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been in the mortgage business since 1997. So. Okay. So tell me about these divorced people that call you. Did you agree with what I said about, their first call should be to a mortgage lender. And tell me why that is. Well, you really need to know what your options are for housing post-divorce. So, you know, we're going to collaborate with the divorce team, so the family law attorneys or the mediators, and and help them understand what your options are. If you are going to stay in the home, well, you need to make sure that you can actually qualify for a refinance if that's what you decide to do collectively. If you need to do an equity buyout and their funds need to exchange hands, then typically you do need to do an equity buyout refinance. So what you're saying is that you help people make decisions by giving them all the information they need about how much they need per month to live in a certain home, how much their other expenses are, how much they have in retirement, what kind of income they have. And so a mortgage lender helps you gather all of this information 
so that you know what your options are. Correct. And a lot of times it may be that we're trying to help you determine how much spousal support you need to qualify or if you have children who are aging out and the child support's not going to last long enough for us to consider qualifying income, then we may help you determine, okay, well, let's reallocate some of this child support so that it lasts longer and you can use it for qualifying income. So tell me about these people that come to you. Why do they usually want to keep the home? Well, typically they want to keep the home because they have children and they want there to be that stability there where the children are not uprooted. They don't have to change school districts. They don't have to move to a new neighborhood and make new friends. So typically there's an end date in sight where they say, okay, well, our children are 10 and 12. If we can just maintain the marital residence another eight years, then that would be great. And you guys come up with a plan on how you're going to make that happen. Well, a lot of times it's just math. We just have to make the numbers work. So that's where we come in. We say, okay, Jackie, do you want to keep the house? Well, here's your current financial situation. This is your current income. This is what it's going to cost you. Here are your other debts. So how much spousal support or child support are you going to need to be able to qualify? All right. But isn't there also an element of they love their home, they feel comfortable there, they don't want any more change, it feels safe, it's easy, they have friends themselves. So I think it's even more than about the children. I think it's the divorced person also. Do you ever find that? Oh, for sure. I mean, your home is your sanctuary and, you know, people just watch HGTV. I mean, everybody is into their home, right? You, you, you put so much effort and sweat equity into making it your home and it's really hard to leave your home. And let's be honest, a lot of times it's just about wanting to win. You think so? Oh yeah. I mean, you, I, I mean, we, I run into some really pretty, you know, I don't want to say mean spirited people, but it's really about, well, I just want the house because I know they want the house, that type of thing. Oh. Which is, never. Okay, so that's, that's, a, that's actually a great segue into the next thing. If people have to move out because of financial reasons, tell, tell my listeners that it's going to be okay and what you do in that case. Oh, for sure it's going to be okay. There's always another place that you can make your home, right? And that may mean renting. Sometimes it's better to sell the home, especially in, in the market that we're in. We're in such a high equity market right now. And a lot of times it makes sense to just everybody take their equity and move on and, and you can purchase your own home and make it your own home. Or you can rent, as you said. Or, or you can rent. And sometimes it's not a bad idea to rent a little while, six months, 12 months. I always tell people, you know, you never know what's going to happen in a year. You might meet somebody else and you guys may decide you want to move in together. I mean, you know, and then you've gone out and bought this house that may not be suitable for your new 
you know, blended family. I do see that often where I have clients that, I mean, it's great for me because it's job security, but I have a client that will divorce. They run right out. They buy another home. 18 months later, they call me. I met this great guy. We have, we both have children. We got assets big enough for when we have his kids and all the kids are here together. So, you know, now you've bought a house. You have to sell and pay real estate commissions on. You can pay closing costs again. So it's always best to, to just run out and buy something. Sometimes it is. It really just depends on the individual. That is really great advice. If you don't really know and you're not sure, you don't have to settle on a home. You can rent because then you're not tied into anything and you can take your time to make the right purchase for you. You're listening to the Divorced Girl Smiling podcast with Jackie Pilisoff and my guest, mortgage lender and certified divorce lending professional, Jennifer Brown. We're talking about getting a mortgage after divorce. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to get to the tips that are extremely helpful. Wait till you hear them. We'll be right back. Co-parenting isn't easy. Trying to communicate with an ex about the kids' schedules, expenses, and the divorce itself can feel awkward, frustrating, and stressful. But guess what? The app Our Family Wizard can take this stress away and make co-parenting so much easier. I really wish I would have known about Our Family Wizard when I was getting divorced. Our Family Wizard is an app used by more than a million parents and family law professionals, all who want to keep everything on the same page with their ex-spouse or their clients. I'm talking about shared calendars, expenses, messaging, files, and other critical family information. People often say, I don't really like dealing with my ex. Well, guess what? Our Family Wizard makes it so much easier. Everything you both put into the app is kept on record, so it encourages both people to be amicable and fair. It also lets you put in all your expenses, so now your ex can see exactly to the penny what you're spending on the kids. This reduces resentment so much because people can actually see where the child support payments are going. I can't say enough about Our Family Wizard. It's a great app, it's very affordable, and it will make your life so much easier and better. To learn more, visit OurFamilyWizard.com. I also want to talk about another wonderful resource for those going through divorce. The company is called My Divorce Solution, and here's the deal. Divorce leaves families feeling vulnerable. Too often, spouses act prematurely or enter into a settlement agreement without knowing the financial impact. It doesn't have to be this way. My Divorce Solution offers the ultimate divorce tool, delivering financial clarity to individuals and couples considering dissolving a marriage. Both founders, one is a CDFA, the other a legal liaison, have been through a divorce and understand the many financial obstacles. They created a valuable tool so others could avoid common financial pitfalls. Through a judgment-free space, they offer comprehensive financial blueprints to optimize the outcome of impending financial decisions. Their unique financial portrait 
is a standalone document that identifies, assembles, analyzes, verifies, and interprets information about a divorcing couple's assets, debts, income, and expenses. Most families save thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars using it. So if you're thinking about divorce or you're in the middle of it, obtain your divorce financial portrait to make smart and confident financial decisions. Clarity is essential when determining alimony, child support, and the division of assets and liabilities. It makes a difficult situation better for everyone, especially the children. Learn more at MyDivorceSolution.com. Welcome back to the Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast. My name is Jackie Pilisoff, and I'm here with Jennifer Brown, mortgage lender and certified divorce lending professional for Neighborhood Mortgage. Jennifer's been in the business 27 years. She's seen all kinds of interest rates. She's seen all kinds of real estate markets. And for the last three years, she's really had a specialty in working with divorcing couples. Jennifer, let's get to the tips. Tips to consider when deciding if you should try to stay in your home after divorce. Go ahead, what's tip number one? Well, tip number one is you really need to decide what your housing is going to look like post-divorce. Do you wanna keep the house? Do you wanna sell the house? Do you wanna purchase something new? You know, those are that's number one. And once you've made that decision, then we need to make sure that you're going to be able to qualify for whatever it is that you want to do. So if you want to do an equity buyout and maintain the marital residence, you definitely need to speak to a certified divorce lending professional to make sure that's an option. Most people assume because they have a mortgage that refinancing will not be a problem. Now, I'm going to go back to a few minutes ago when you told me that sometimes people just say, I want the house because I know that he wants the house. What advice do you have for people who have a spouse? Like, let's say they're not the ones that are doing that. Their spouse is doing that. I mean, my advice is you can't control what your spouse does. You can only control what you do. But what, what do you do in a situation like that? Well, someone's going to have to concede, obviously, right? I mean, you could just both say, no, we're going to, I'm not going to agree to it. We're going to sell the house. But typically what I find is, is that one of the parties usually will acquiesce because they would just like for it to be over, right? So at some point, somebody the way that gives I'm, in. Correct. Because most of the time what I see is, is that there is one spouse who is driving the divorce process. It's very uncommon that I run into, well, I shouldn't say it's uncommon because I do a lot of amicable divorce work. But even in those situations, a lot of times it's one spouse who's driving the divorce and the other spouse doesn't really want to get divorced. So they may drag their feet with things and may not agree to things that they know have to be agreed to. If you have a marital home, it has to be dispositioned. You, ha you have to come to an agreement on it in order for the divorce to I have a suggestion, Jennifer, tell me if you agree with this. I believe that if a couple gets divorced through mediation, you have a better chance of breaking down those barriers and getting what you want. 
because when you're in mediation, you are forced to have conversations with the help of a mediator. Maybe it's a collaborative divorce. That's a form of mediation. But if you divorce through one of these processes instead of litigation, you have such a better chance of talking this through with the help of people. I know it's not easy to talk to your spouse when you're getting divorced, but it's more of a conversation and a give and take versus a judge making these decisions for you. Do you agree? Of course. I mean, I would call it more of a negotiation, right? Yes. Everybody, everybody walks in with all their cards on the table and we're going to negotiate who gets what, right? And obviously some things are more important to other people. Right. And so they may say, well, okay, if the, if keeping the house is that important to you, then you can keep the house if I can do X. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and a lot of times people are in a situation where they have all these negative feelings. Like you said, one person's driving the divorce. Maybe the one person who drove the divorce has a new girlfriend already. So the other person is so hurt that they don't want to give the person anything. And so it's when those feelings are put aside, and I know it's not easy to put those feelings aside, but if you can and think in a business-like mind, you will get better results. Of course you will make a financial decision out of spite. So that is one thing that I really try to counsel my divorcing clients on is, does this really make sense? Right. I mean, you can afford the payment, but does it, I mean, you qualify for the payment, but does this really fit into your lifestyle? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I've talked to a lot of women who tell me that they wanted the house, they wanted the house. And then when they got it and they got divorced and they were making these huge mortgage payments, they realized they made a mistake. So I just want my listeners to hear that story because think about it. Cracking that huge nugget of the mortgage every month is a really big deal. I'm not saying people, I'm trying to talk you out of keeping your house, but just keep it in mind. Don't you think? Absolutely. Because the reality sets in when you start making that mortgage payment and you realize I can't go to Nordstrom Rack and spend $400 on clothes because I don't have an extra $400. Right. You, you really need to decide, are you, is this going to, is this going to fit into your lifestyle? And I think people get tunnel vision when it comes to things like their home, because going back to what we said, I mean, your home is your sanctuary. And I don't know about you, but my husband and I have either renovated or built every home that we've lived in. You know, I have gone around, you know, all decorating my home. It would be devastating to me if somebody said, you can't keep your home, right? But I'm also very pragmatic financially. And I would say, you know what? I'm going to salvage what I can, take the best things, and I'm going to go find somewhere else to live that I can afford to live within my lifestyle, what works for me. Mm-hmm. That's different for everybody. And what's so hard for people also is change. Not only have you dumped all this money into your home, but like you're going through so much change that you don't want to change your living situation. I mean, moving is stressful. The actual 
packing up the boxes and physically moving and all that and changing your address and all the stuff. It, it's stressful, especially as an older person. Like I know people in their 50s, it gets harder to do that. If people in their 60s, 70s even that are getting divorced, that's not easy to even physically move. So I can see the appeal of staying in the house for that reason alone. You are so right. Moving is super stressful. I don't think it matters how old you are. There's a lot of effort that goes into moving. And can you imagine having to go through that process when you already are just emotionally depleted? Absolutely. But what I want to say about moving and what we're talking about is that I don't want to intimidate anybody because once you do it, You'll be like, that wasn't that bad. And you'll be so much happier. Like a few years ago, I moved out of my house that I had lived in for 17 years. And Jennifer, I had so much stuff. I still had stuff from my kids, like nursery school projects. Like I threw away half my house and I was really afraid to do it because I was like, I don't know if I can handle all this stress. It was a breeze and I was so happy in my new place that it makes it all worth it. Well, you probably felt liberated to some degree. Yeah. Doesn't it feel good yeah. to get rid of all those old things that you don't need anyway? Nobody wants. It's so funny. I can't tell you how many tubs of things that my mom has sent home with me and my mother-in-law sent home with my husband. And we're like, we don't want this crap. Like, <laughs> why have you been keeping this for the past 45 years, you know? Yes. But it also feels liberating in the sense that you're like, I did it and I was, it was fine. I'm not that stressed. And I love it because you forget about the stress when you see like how cute the new home is and you're decorating and you're busy and everything is fresh and it's newly painted or whatever. It's really nice. It's like having a baby, isn't it? You just forget all about how bad it was after it happens, after you're done. You're like, that's great. Let's do it again. Oh, I would go through childbirth again 10 times if I could. It was so anybody listening who's like pregnant and nervous, do not be it will be the best day of your life. All right. Next tip is don't turn a blind eye to deferred maintenance. What do you mean by that? Well, that is probably the number one thing that is overlooked when people are deciding whether or not they're going to maintain or retain the marital residence and deferred maintenance is all of the things that your home needs that has not been done. So when you sell a house, your buyers are going to have a home inspection done. Why are they going to have a home inspection done? Well, they want to know how much life the roof has in it. They want to know if the HVAC and the hot water heater and the appliances are good are in good working order. And what is, you know, what's the estimated lifespan of your systems? Those are all things that are very important when you're purchasing a home because you don't want to go in and pay top dollar for a home that may have 20,000 deferred maintenance. You could have rotting wood that needs to be replaced. You could have cracks in your driveway that need to be addressed. You could have water in your basement, foundation issues, an electrical panel may place. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You owned a home for 17 years. You know how much maintenance that home required, right? Okay, Jennifer, when I sold my home, I had to pay out 
probably close to $15,000 because I had lived in it for so long and the inspection brought up all these issues. I mean, it was nothing really that big a deal, but by the time you added everything up, it was like 10 or 15,000. So what I wanna tell my listeners is Jennifer is bringing up a great point. Are you telling people, Jennifer, that when they, if they're gonna stay and be by their spouse out of the home, that you should have a home inspection done? I think you should, and I recommend it. Mm-hmm. When someone calls and says, now this is, if I get involved before they've agreed to things, a lot of times they call me after they've already agreed to something. There's really not much we can do about it at that point. But if this is in the beginning, before you, anybody's agreed to anything, I say, okay, you want to keep the house, great. Let, first, let's talk about if that's even an option. Are you going to qualify, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, we've crossed that off the list. You do qualify. Now let's talk about how are you going to, how, how's the equity going to be divvied up, right? So they say, well, we're going to split it 50-50. I say, okay, great. You'd have a home inspection done? They say, no, why would I have a home inspection done? I say, well, you may not really have much equity in the house. It may just be paper equity, Mm -hmm. but it's not real equity because you have $20,000 in deferred maintenance. So the equity in the home is the equity minus the deferred maintenance that has to be addressed. And And they say, oh, wow, I didn't think about that. So basically, if the home, let's say the two of you decide, the couple decides, here's what the home is worth, you have to, you might have to subtract 25000 for repairs. That's right. Mm-hmm. I and didn't then you do would... that. When I got divorced, right. I didn't do that. And look, when I moved, I had to pay $15,000. Right. Mm-hmm. And it can be a big number. I mean, I had one couple who had... And they were amicable, and so it was it was easy breezy working it out with them. But they had a very very long driveway, and I think the repair on it was over twenty thousand dollars, and it was something that just absolutely had to be addressed. And they agreed that they would split the cost of the driveway repair, but they did deduct it from the equity. That's so, great. Another thing to keep in mind, and this is especially for people who live in Florida. The insurance cost to keep the home is rising very drastically. And property taxes. Right. So you have to keep those things in mind, too. And maybe assessments if you live in a building. Great points. Yes, you do. And, And I also tell people, listen, your support is going to come to an end. And so if I have a client who is is heavily depending on support to qualify and to be able to make that monthly payment, I ask them, what is your plan after your support comes to an end? You, you have to have a plan because that payment doesn't go away. And to your point, it's probably going to go up because your insurance and your property taxes are inevitably going to increase year over year. Well, now you're getting into another area. I think that it's very wise if you're going through a divorce to have a consultation with a financial advisor. I lived this firsthand. I had a financial planning call with Vester Capital. This was like eight years ago. Elaine Moss and Pete Mullins were the best. What they did for me is they gave me a picture into what I was spending, 
what I was bringing in, and it caused me to reevaluate the life decisions I was making, and it really set me up for a really good future because I was forced to look at things that were uncomfortable for me, and so it really was helpful. Um, so I would highly recommend Vester Capital. Elaine Moss and Pete Mullins can be found in the Trusted Partner section of Divorce Girl Smiling. Okay, so Jennifer, this has been so wonderful and you have given such great tips. Please tell my listeners where they can find you. Well, thank you again for having me. They can find me at www.divorcemortgagehelp.com. That's the link straight to my website. And on my website, you can find all my contact information, my cell phone number, my email. Uh, one thing I did want to just touch on really quickly that we didn't talk about, but I do think it's super important because we were talking about home inspection for maintenance and things like that. So as I mentioned, you know, my husband and I renovated and built homes. And so I have enough knowledge to be dangerous, but he really takes the lead on a lot of the maintenance type things around the house. So if you are divorcing and if you were in a relationship where one of the spouses really took the, the lead on those types of things, even if you're not going to retain the marital home, but you plan to go out and purchase a new home, you really should consider taking a first-time homeowner's course. So there are a lot of free um, home buyers courses out there. Fannie Mae has a great one. It's, it's called Home View, and you can find it on Fannie Mae's website through their education tab. So I just think that's really important for people to know because there's a lot more that goes into owning a home than just being able to afford to make the mortgage payment. That is such a great point, and I have two suggestions for being in this situation also. After I bought my newer home that I live in now, I had a long conversation with my inspector and he kind of coached me on what maintenance I had to do every year. Now, he also went through the report with me and told me what was really urgent and what I could wait on that was really not a big deal. So that was helpful. So if you get an inspection and your real estate agent just says, oh, everything's good, you have to look into it a little more. Take the time. Take an hour or two to do that. And the second thing is, if you are a person who isn't handy and you're getting divorced from someone who was, find a good handyman and literally all of your problems will go away. <laughs> and I say that because my handyman in my life, he always answers me. I text him and he always answers me within five minutes. So once you become friends with your handyman and he's done some work for you, it will save your life and you won't have to worry about things. And I'm telling you, they know everything. Well, those are some great tips and true words have never been spoken about having handyman even if you are, are a handy woman or you're married to a handyman you still need a good handyman that is so true <laughs> all right jennifer on that note thanks so much again for taking time to do this with me today 
It's been fun. I've enjoyed it, Jackie, and I, and I hope your listeners find some of this information useful. And again, if I can ever be of assistance, they can find me on my website, and I'm happy to help no matter what state they're in. If I can't help them, I have a large network through the Amicable Divorce Network and the Certified Divorce Lending Professional Network, and I can always make a recommendation to another divorce professional that would be a great asset for them. Sounds great. So again, if you want to reach Jennifer, it is divorcemortgagehelp.com, or you can find her in the trusted partner section of Divorce Girl Smiling. And if you want to find other trusted, vetted divorce professionals, or read articles, or listen to more podcasts, or download my mobile app, come see me at divorcedgirlsmiling.com. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and we'll talk to you real soon.